You're listening to The Comics Hall with Amy and Paul, Sideshow's very own comic book podcast. Join us as we celebrate New Comic Book Day every week and discuss the latest releases, the biggest announcements, and more from your favorite publishers. What's in your comics hall? Hey, everybody. I'm Amy. And I'm Paul. And welcome to The Comics Hall. It is Wednesday, June 16th, also known as 616 or 616, so it's technically Marvel Day. And in honor of Marvel Day, we are completely ignoring that because we are talking Level Up Week. This is our video (laughs) game special episode, so we hope that you guys are prepared. Uh, We asked you for your favorite comic books based on video games. We've got a ton of stuff coming at you today. We are joined by our fantastic moderator today. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hey, everybody. It's me, Rob. I'm back again to moderate and hang out in the chats with you guys and pass along questions. Return of the Rob. Yes, indeed. (laughs) Return of the Rob. We are talking all things uh, elite gamers and noobs. Oh, that was really bad. But uh, just because we're talking uh, (laughs) something that's... Press start, Amy. (laughs) Press start. Uh, Do I get a a one-up? A a one-man? Hold on. No. Oh, thank you. Um, Just because we are talking video games this week and taking a break from our regular poll lists doesn't mean that there's not new comics today. We will cover that in just a little bit. But first, we have some comic book news as it pertains to video games, because actually going on this week is another little level up week called E3. if you check our pop culture headlines or sideshow.com slash blog, you can see a ton of really cool updates. We've got not only a Transformers AR uh, mobile game from the same developers of Pokemon Go, we've also got all of Nintendo's E3 announcements with some amazing releases. But we also got an update from Square Enix that they are releasing a Guardians of the Galaxy video game this so fall. Excited. Uh, that's going to be for PlayStation 4, 5, Xbox, uh, PC, and it's based on the comic books with a little bit of movie inspo, but it really is kind of classic. Guardians, uh, the new lineup, of course, based based on the MCU. Uh, but it's going to be super cool. It's a single player with tactical action stuff. So you're going to be taking charge of Star-Lord and directing the other Guardians. So the other Guardians will make appearances, but unlike their Avengers title, it is not yes. a multiplayer service and it is not uh, changing viewpoints. You are Star-Lord, uh, which mm-hmm. arguably, like, wouldn't, wouldn't you want to be the leader of the team? Dantov, bro. I mean, uh, I may be in the minority here, but I personally love the character designs for these and like how far away, you know, relatively speaking, they are from the MCU because that's so burned into our brains. I, I kind of like that it's different. It's I like kinda, when, uh, more to the comics. The more classic Gamora <laughs> yeah. look, I think, is, is my favorite. Mm-hmm. The, the Drax I can take either way. Groot, it's kind of hard to really reinvent a tree. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm all for, for Rocket rocking a little bit of scruff there. But, I, yeah, I do love the comic books. And there's actually a pre-order bonus that has their kind of classic retro costumes. And mm-hmm. the Star-Lord one is based on Chris Anka's uh, more recent series that he did with Chip Zdarsky. It's a, it's a yes. mix of the classic kind of blue Star-Lord costume, but the mm-hmm. modern physique of the character. I think that's really cool. But you can check out a little bit more of that on our blog. Just tons of video game news popping off all week. It was very nice of every game publisher to really organize that for us this week. <laughs> yeah, thank you for uh, you know working around our schedule. Uh, during, which is a perfect segue into our next, I guess not really bit of news, but uh, we are in the middle, the literal middle of uh, Level Up Week. Our entire week celebrating all things 
video game, you know, in the world of video games, and also that you can find on Sideshow.com. Of course, you can still go to Side.show forward slash level up 21. You can register. There are some uh, fun goodies that come along with that, you know, exclusive giveaway, uh, giveaway opportunities and uh, reward code opportunities as well, some other fun stuff. And then you can go to Side.show forward slash level up blog 21. And that's going to be like your codex for the entire event. Basically, it, it's got... It's your walkthrough. <laughs> it, it is. It's the only tutorial we're going to give you. It, it, not unlike Dark Souls. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, not don't even yeah. get me started on Dark I know. Souls. <laughs> everyone, everyone see that? I triggered Amy. <laughs> um, and so, uh, level up blog, uh, side.show forward slash level up blog 21. We're going to have the updated schedule. And I say that because we have updated our um, schedule for tomorrow. Now, the reason I'm not really getting much more in today is because this is the last show of the day. Thank you all so much for everyone joining us. And we've got a really great show for you today. But looking forward, uh, you know, into the future a little bit just to tomorrow, we've got a great, great thank you. Oh, I didn't got my, put my protective future <laughs> glasses on. Um, we've got, of course, new at Sideshow Live at 9. We've got a video team booth um, at 10 a.m. We've got a very special guest there, uh, Macro, who is a wonderful, wonderful YouTuber and just an all-around nerd and a good friend. So not necessarily in that order, Macro, if you're watching. You know what I'm saying. Um, and then, of course, we've got an episode of Win, Loser, Die being written by our very own Amy Chase. Super stoked for that. I haven't and killed anyone since Geeksgiving, so <laughs> it'll be... Your, uh, the vanity is starting to rust. <laughs> <laughs> and then at two, we have a very, very fun episode of Unsealed Light. It's our, un it's our Unsealed and Revealed Light, a, a bit of a different format, but I'm not going to spoil exactly who our special guest and what we're doing for that show is yet. You're just going to have to tune in basically wherever you're watching now at 2 p.m. tomorrow. Then we've got another show. We've got the Futuristic 2000 Trivia for uh, Trivial Cahoots. That is going to be a Cahoot promise. And then wrapping up the day with Unsold Out, which we have brought some items. Uh, you know, they've gotten a respawn token and they, we have a very specific amount of them available only during that show. Like we're talking two or three of some long sold out items. So very busy day. You can go to side.show forward slash level up blog and see that entire schedule. Whew. All right. Level up is it, it, it's it's been a really good event. It's and also you guys will see very soon. It's made me and uh, me and Amy sort of go down memory lane of all the video games that we were like, <laughs> I forgot that I wasted a, like a lot of hours on that game. <laughs> were, were they really wasted if you enjoyed them, though? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I did. I, I enjoyed every moment. I was like, I'm glad that a majority of my video game gaming happened between like 15 and like 18. For me, it was my sweet spot, I would say. I'm curious as to what everyone's like gaming sweet spot was. I feel like 15 and 18 is probably about average, I'd say. What about you? What, what was your gaming oh, sweet spot there? I'm a gamer every day. Um, I would say my sweet spot was probably from 10 to 18 years old. Kind of kind of slowed a little bit in college, okay. but uh, I was, I mean, hardcore Pokemon train constantly. And then once right. once T-rated games became available to me as a teenager, that <laughs> opened a whole new world. <laughs> Kicked the freaking doors wide open. <laughs> <laughs> and Rob, I'm curious, what about you? Because I know you, Rob, uh, our incredible moderator, he, um, you know, he games still quite a bit, but like, was there a time when you had gamed like every day for hours and hours and hours? Jeez, um, all through, I'd imagine eight through probably till I was in my around 30. 
Oh, I mean, okay. I started playing He's games like when I was Monday? like five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, my grandparents used to have a in television, which we weren't allowed to use. We could only play the twenty six hundred. So oh. that was where I started gaming, and it's just been nonstop since then. <laughs> Oh, man. I know. I can't see the, the comments or the chats or anything right now, but I'm sure there's plenty of people saying, like, I'm still gaming every day. Yeah, and like, what are you talking about? <laughs> shout out to you. I was like, there's so many games that I have unfinished right now. Like, we were just talking. I've put, like, two, I know, what was it? Like, 45 minutes into Jedi Fallen Order. I've only been, like, two and a half hours into State of Decay. Oh, all of those poor games. Sorry, we digress. We have a whole show to get to. But on that topic, we did ask you guys. So we're going we're gonna to mix it up. We had so many great responses for our mm -hmm. ho Holler at the Hall this week that we wanted to make sure that we featured a bunch of them across the show. So we've got a, uh, we're going to lead up here with our Holler at the Hall segment. Last week, we asked you, what is your favorite comic book based on a video game? Uh, we're going to read a small chunk of the responses right now. First up, we have Steve Wortman says, Sonic the Hedgehog was my gateway into reading comics as a kid. Wouldn't nice. say the writing has held up all that well, though. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um Mr. Chad McNeely says, short and sweet. As it has but four issues, Silent Hill, Sinner's Reward. Excellent art and a great tale about some folks who wander into that foggy little town. The covers and interior are just fantastic. Was even worth looking for the alter uh, was even worth looking at just for the alter alternate covers for once. I picked up the trade as well, just for extra bits of art. Excellent. You are a true multimedia format reader of that series. Nice, Chad. And then lastly for this section, we've got Andrew Wershborn says, so mine is a super rare series of books from 1990. We do have an accompanying image. Back then, Valiant had a deal with Nintendo, and some, some of the very first books Valiant published were Nintendo comics like The Legend of Zelda, Super Mario Bros., Game Boy, and Captain N. These are kind of rare for modern books. Even Valiant's Wikipedia entry doesn't mention them, and their fan wiki has limited info on the books that were published. Love, love, love those wow, retro covers. Those. I think I have a, I don't know if it was, it, probably not from the same release, but I, I do have a very old Pokemon comic that was in black and white. It was kind of like manga style, but it was, but it was formatted like these, like these bad boys. But thank you, Andrew, for providing that awesome thank you photograph. So much. Love those retro Mario designs. Yeah, those so are good. really, really sick. We're going to have to bring that back around for our retro event in uh, September. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, the it's 80s, 80s versus 90s throwback. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That will be totally <laughs> tubular. So before we dive into <laughs> our own uh, comic book recommendations for video game-based comics, uh, we did want to start off with a quick rapid-fire round so you guys could see what other books we were reading this week because it was a pretty big week. At least for me, it was. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll let you get started. Sure. Uh, this week I picked up Angel and Spike Volume 2 from Boom Studios. That is the conclusion of the formerly just Angel series from Buffy. Uh, I've mm -hmm. got Luna, number five, from Boom Studios as well, along with Seven Secrets, number nine. Um, then we have The Many Deaths of Layla Star, number three. From Image Comics, I've got Silver Coin, number three. That is, of course, that amazing an uh, anthology series that is now an ongoing. Um, from Marvel, we've got Demon Days Mariko, number one. Now, this is a new number one, but it is the second in the Demon Days series oh, by yeah. Peach Momoko. Also, one of the art print covers that we're releasing this week with mm -hmm. Peach Momoko doing a massive of release if you guys haven't had a chance to check that out we are doing Do three it. of her demon days covers as fine art prints through sideshow prints um then i've got heroes reborn number seven which will be the end of this event uh and then we've got heroes return as the kind of omega 
or I guess concluding uh, mm -hmm. one shot. Mighty Valkyries is out this week, and I picked up the Pride variant as well. Uh, nice. New Mutants number 19, Planet Size X-Men number one, and X-Corp number two. Picked up those Russell Dodderman connecting covers, and I'm starting to get characters who now match next to each other now that they've released, <laughs> I want to say, seven, Finally. seven of these Hellfire Gala <laughs> variants. Uh, Has it yeah. already been seven? Yeah, wow. I think so, because was, there was a two-week, there was a two, a two, and a three, or it's seven or eight. But uh, oh, okay. I, I will let you know because I will do my best to line them up and maybe put a picture on our local comic society group. Side.show forward slash URLCS. Boom. Um, yeah, I had a really small week, actually. Uh, oh. Or I, I say that, but we'll see. Uh, I had Nightwing number 81, Fantastic Four number three. I put these in a really weird order. Normally, I put them by publisher. I'm really sorry, everyone. Um, it's uh, I've got Nightwing number 81, Fantastic Four number 33. I'm really excited for Fantastic Four because we've got the, the wedding of Victor Von Doom. Um, and then we've got uh, Alien number four, which I am really digging that series. As someone who, as you all know, I just got into the Alien franchise. Um, this has been wonderful. I absolutely love that book. Um, I'm also picking up Demon Days. I know, Amy, I said that I probably wasn't, but I'm just going to pick it up. I love the cover so <laughs> you much. gotta. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, of course, The Silver Coin number three. Um, I'm, I'm also going to pick up Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow. That's That book seems incredible uh time before time number two uh seven secrets number nine and i believe that's it i yeah i don't have yeah i believe that's it again relatively small week for me so um nothing too uh terrible i'm really excited of all those books really for time before time i'm really digging that book right now awesome all right, so now it is time for us to dive into our main segment. I just called this one the Video Game Comics Walkthrough Ultimate Cheat Guide or something like that. We didn't have a... It, Rolls it, right off the tongue. They can't all be Galactic <laughs> Trade Paperback Federation, okay? Damn it, uh, that was so good. But Paul and I together have come up with seven different essential comic book reading titles for you guys. Some of these are free web comics. Some of these mm -hmm. are other collections. But we wanted to just give you a, a kind of full smattering of uh, amazing comics that are available to you as a, a uh, comic book reader who likes to game or a gamer who likes comic books. There's really a lot of crossover depending Two on the size of the same silver coin. There we go. So I'm going to take the top here, uh, starting up with the Overwatch web comics. Now, you may or may not know, of course, Blizzard is phenomenal in releasing animatics and multimedia experiences to add to the lore of their games. Of course, they've done this with Warcraft uh, and now, of course, Overwatch especially uniquely with Overwatch, because there isn't a main story campaign uh, in, the, um, in the game. It's a shooter. It's a multiplayer shooter. There's not really a lot of place to put a linear story. Um, I'm also wearing my Bob from Overwatch shirt today uh, to shout out to that series. I love it so much. Nice. But um, Blizzard created a number of uh, both uh, comics that you can purchase from Dark Horse and free online web comics to really help people get a sense of the world uh, the lore behind this because it's such it's such a rich story and it is a shame that only little details come out in the mm. gameplay of it but uh, there's so much of a world built around this story so there have been 16 main issues of this series just the titled overwatch series plus they released some event specials to introduce fans to the halloween terror aka the junkenstein's revenge event the yeti hunt and more there's also overwatch tracer london calling which was a serialized uh, series from dark horse but as i could tell at least the first issue was available for free on their website um, also available through uh, Dark Horse and for purchase on Comixology. Uh, London Calling was by Mariko Tamaki and Babs Tarr, an absolute 
all-star team of creators. Um, and that was a, a five-issue miniseries. Uh, now, I have given Rob a uh, link to drop for you guys. Um, this is uh, Overwatch's website. We're not affiliated, but this is where they host their online stories. Um, They've also boasted a number of talents across uh, these stories. Some of the writers include Michael Chu, Matt Burns, Andrew Robinson, Robert Brooks, and Mickey Nielsen, with art by Gray Shuko, Ben Gall, James Waugh, Joel Selner, and more. And these cover so many of the main characters, almost all of the main characters, whether or not they have their own feature individual story or are part of the larger uh, adventures going on. Uh, most notably Torbjorn, Tracer, Bastion, Anna, Soldier 76, Symmetra, McCree, and Reinhardt uh, get their, their own stories. McCree was actually the first story that they launched with called Trainhopper. Um, and not only have they just done this to get people interested into the, the kind of backstories of these characters, they've used it to introduce important information. Again, that doesn't necessarily come up in a six-person shooter. Uh, and this is all related to Overwatch 1. I'm sure the backstories apply to Overwatch 2, which is coming up very soon. Uh, very awesome. But uh, this, the comics were used to first introduce Ana Amari, which was the uh, first character added post-game launch. Of course, that's Pharaoh's uh, uh, mother. Um, and so she was introduced in the Legacy comic. Reflections was the first comic to confirm that Tracer is in a lesbian relationship, and A Better World confirmed that Symmetra is on the autism spectrum. So a really cool way that they show also not only how multicultural the characters are, uh, but how diverse they are uh, in what they represent as well. And they all come together to fight the Omnics and, and solve a world crisis. Um, so as I mentioned, most of these comics are free to download on their website or just read in browser. But if you like them, there are collected editions you can uh, purchase support from Dark Horse or Comixology. And I believe in the past they've even released some of the stories, like the Zarya story uh, was a free comic book day tale from mm -hmm. Blizzard. So I honestly, if you like the animatics, if you like kind of the, the fun and bright world building of the game, the Overwatch comics are a great place to go and a fantastic resource because, again, they are uh, free online, which I think is a great way to get people interested and invested in the characters and then, you know, make the leap over uh, to the actual game, which I, uh, I've i been kind of muscled out of the game. I play on PC <laughs> and PC gamers. I played when Overwatch first launched and I was pretty good. I was, I was average, you know, but once it became esports serious, I was like, oh, jeez okay, I need baby mode. <laughs> so I play I play on the PlayStation, and my aim from the PC, which was subpar on the PC, is a lot better on the PlayStation. So. Nice. Because I'm curious, with a game like this specifically, because Overwatch is so fast and, like, incredibly, like, kinetic, mm -hmm. like, how that sort of um, translates here. I, the only thing I could think of would be, like, my brain is wanting this comic to look like uh, Seven Secrets. Oh, okay. You know, and it does, uh, I mean, the, the art styles are varied, but I think uh, you, you get some of that and a lot of the, um, yeah, I mean, the bright colors, really reminiscent mm -hmm. kind of of Seven Secrets. But yeah, they, they do take a whole host of artistic styles to represent all the different characters and kind of the different um, existences and, and places in the Omnic crisis that they come from. Okay. Now, yeah. um, now Amy, Jesse Hernandez on, uh, one of the people watching wants to know, who was your main? Ooh, Zenyatta. Zenyatta okay. was my main. I love the floaty boy. Um, I had, <laughs> I have the the Funko Pop of him in his Halloween skin, where he's got like the Cthulhu. He's got the Cthulhu tentacles and the cultist orbs. Um, but yeah, oh, I'm a nice. I'm I'm a support main. I think in the earliest days, um, 
they actually classified all the characters different. You had your attack, defense, tank, and support. Um, and mm -hmm. so I was diva support tank or uh, diva tank uh, Farah on DPS, but I was so bad at that. I just rocket jumped and tried to fly over everybody. And then I was always, always, always Zenyatta or Mercy in a pinch if we really needed some serious healing. But Zenyatta was my like I want to be the violent medic. <laughs> right. type because I was pretty good I was pretty good at aiming I'm about ready to be a violent medic yeah you know there's always I mean if Team Fortress 2 taught us anything there's always a violent medic on the team <laughs> and it's always going to be Amy and it's always going to be the one that's very zen on the outside <laughs> thank you Jesse Hernandez for asking I love 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 that game oh great I you know I'm going to be honest one of the games that I've probably like played like one or two matches Really? It's like, nope. Yeah, this is just outside that like bubble of gaming that I had, oh. and it was just outside of it. It missed me completely. For me, some of the later later years of Overwatch were the. It was kind of like a Friday night college. Everybody's done with classes. We've all had dinner. It's nine p.m. All right, who's up for Overwatch? And we would play till like one a.m. <laughs> good, good oh, stuff. Good stuff. Those are the days. Easier times. Yep. All right, Paul. What's up on your list? Yes, I have got a game that I put a lot of time into, specifically the second one. But I'm talking, of course, about, again, a game that I, I put probably way too much time in. Sorry, I'm getting um, all my notes ready. It's Dragon Age, The Silent Grove. This comic specifically was by Dark Horse, originally released in August uh, 2012. This particular uh, series takes place... After the events of the of game Dragon Age One and Two, um, it's sort of teased within the first six issues that it may be like five or ten years after. But in some instances, it's a couple months. It's never really sort of um, mentioned exactly what happened um, as far as the timeline goes. But uh, it's an incredible read. This is by David Gator and Chad Harden on the art. There, it is a uh, six-part comic series that I actually remember buying um, it weekly. It was 99 cents weekly, and that was like a lot of money <clears throat> for a digital comic at the time. They're like, why wouldn't you just buy uh, you know, a physical copy? But You're like, I'm not I, made of money. <laughs> I am not. No, no, no. I am no Scrooge McDuck people. Um, but yeah, this was a of just a really fun book. And again, I'm, I'm not going to get into um, the entire lore of Dragon Age. Uh, nobody has that kind of time right now. You can definitely do that on your own. But this specifically uh, takes us through uh, like King Alistair, and he's accompanied by um, Isabella, Varric, and it's basically takes them on like the border again i'm not going to spoil too much of dragon age because uh again there are a lot of people who are still playing that game for the first time uh trust me i checked because i was like i'm just going to spoil this game and there are still people who are playing <laughs> this for the first time uh it takes people through the borders uh in and out of antiva and you know sort of have some of those characters have been pushed out at the end of dragon age 2 and this sort of bridges the gap and fills in some of the details of what happens after dragon age 2 uh now in the interest of full disclosure i stopped reading after like nine issues i just I fell off of it, and the digital series was only the first six. So um, issues seven and eight I had to buy in person, and at the time I just, again, I wasn't reading uh, this particular comic because I had so many other comics that I was reading. But um, yeah, even the first eight issues are absolutely fantastic. Um, one of the things that it sort of fleshes out that I really, really love is the Witch of the Wilds, and uh, a really big part of the 
um, Dragon Age lore, and I do love that they address that. That's such like a misnomer. Like they're not actually witches. They're not actually wild. It's just you know like humans <laughs> then do. Then what are they? <laughs> they it's um oh um I thought I wrote her name down here. I must have must have not written it down. But it's basic. Oh, Flemeth. Yeah, it's Flemeth who's one of the the leader of the Witch of the Wild and her daughters, and they just live out in uh you know a the wild and they protect the silent grove which is like this haven for dragons and so but because people don't really understand them and they don't really know them and they don't want to take the time and the society of mages doesn't really acknowledge their authority within the realm of dragon age uh people just consider them like the witch of the wild so they're sort of you know they're uh they're like a not franchised you know, Wendy's. And you're like, I, this Wendy's looks a little bit different than all of the other ones. It's same energy. So, um, yeah, this was an, an excellent book. Uh, another thing that it really does is it sort of expands on one of my, like, favorite places in Dragon Age 2, which was the Talari Swamps. Uh, super, super niche, I know, but it was just, like, the music, <laughs> the lore, everything was so great in that particular area of Dragon Age uh, 2, specifically. Um, and if you have not played Dragon Age, I'm sorry, this is getting really specific, but, yeah, the Talari Swamps is also one of the, um, the places that I would first start doing, like, combat rolling. And like combat roll dodge, combat roll dodge, and so um, <laughs> I, I just, I, I don't know. I absolutely love Dragon Age, and then I, I think I stopped with Dragon Age for a long time, and then I picked up Inquisition a couple years after, um, and that game I was like, yeah, I don't have the same uh, charisma or energy <laughs> to play this anymore, and I played like five hours of it, and I was like, I just can't do it anymore. Um, but yeah, this is a really, really fun book. If you can, uh, you can pick it up right. Like, if you are a Comicsology Unlimited member, you can read the first, I think, like twenty issues of this, um, because this is very similar to like the um, Legends, like Star Wars stuff, and you'll understand the com- some of the comparisons I'm making. It really bounces around the timeline. I think the like issue eight or seven and eight, which I had said I had read, that goes back before Dragon Age one, and then that arc wraps up and then like 20 and everything takes place a couple years before Inquisition before they even knew what they were doing um, with that story and so so it's interesting like if you are a huge fan of that era of Dragon Age as a whole um, you can pick this up um, right now you can go to Comixology and you can actually borrow the whole book on Comixology for free uh, I think you can get it for like a month and um, after you've borrowed it you can read it for like a month and um, it's it's really fun a game that's very near and dear to my heart because this was sort of um a game that I think led to my obsession with Skyrim. <laughs> <laughs> it was your gateway. Uh, it sure was. Yes. Uh, not 404. A, good, a real gateway. So, uh, yeah, this was a really, really fun game. And, you know, for people who are interested, it was a wrap-up. This particular story, if you read the first six of The Silent Grove, it will wrap up sort of the stories of Alistair, Isabella, and Varric. So... If, if you don't know what any of those words mean, that's totally fine. I understood like three of the words that Amy had said for Overwatch. So <laughs> it's funny. We're all in the same boat here, everyone. Uh, but yeah, Dragon Age, Silent Grove. It's a great book. Go read it. All right. Up next, I'm going to take us into the post-apocalyptic genre, which is one yes. of my all-time favorites, with The Last of Us American Dreams. This is a four-issue miniseries published by Dark Horse. Again, Dark Horse is a source for a lot of these comics. They also did the cyberpunk trauma team that we covered earlier this year. Just oh, yeah. Dark Horse is your source for video game <laughs> comics. Uh, but this was a four-issue miniseries serving as a prequel to the game. 
written by Neil Druckmann, who is The Last of Us's creative director, uh, with art by Faith Aaron Hicks, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, and letters by Clem Robbins. This focuses on Ellie and her friend Riley Abel, who is a fellow young survivor navigating the post-apocalyptic United States, which of course has been overrun by zombies infected by a mutant strain of the cordyceps fungus, that lovely, lovely brain mushroom that comes bursting out of your face. <laughs> <laughs> Made it sound really pleasant, didn't I? Really so, pitching this game. If you have read or have played the game and ex- and specifically played the DLC, Riley is the same girl featured in The Last of Us Left Behind DLC. This comic fleshes out their friendship and their romantic relationship, a little bit of that character development mm. that we get to see a little bit more of in the Left Behind DLC. As Ellie lives in the Boston quarantine zone, this is where they attend school. It's kind of a military barracks um, and If you remember anything about the story, or even if you don't know, Ellie and Riley are of a generation that have only known the 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 apocalypse. Um, They were born into it. They were molded by it. Uh, But more specifically, they don't know what the the normal world looks like. And and we get to see a little bit more of the beautiful kind of the way that. uh, And it's hard to say that it's totally beautiful, but the way that nature reclaims the world in The Last of Us, I really think that's a fun element to it. Um, but it is about their uh, their desire to sneak out and see what is beyond the world. I mean, it's the idea of the American dream. What is that now in a post-apocalyptic zombie-infested America? Um, and so this is the story of the girls sneaking out where they encounter infected. They get caught out by rebels and they are captured eventually by the fireflies, which uh, you will remember from the game. Um, this is a very different art style than the game. I mean... Of course, the the game is a 3D render, very gritty, very detailed. Um, I I want to go so far as to say Faith Aaron Hicks's artwork is reminiscent of a a friendly mesh between Brian Lee O'Malley's Scott Pilgrim and Emmy mm. Lennox's work on Plutona. Um, it wow. has a very um, kind of younger feel to it. I I say especially the Scott Pilgrim because the characters have those kind of large eyes and the simple face shapes. Uh, but the the coloring work by Rochelle Rosenberg does a a lot to bring that grit factor in and get those visuals of this story. But I think this is just a fantastic addition to what is a extremely hot commodity of a, of a fantasy mm-hmm. sci-fi universe. Um, of course, we did have The Last of Us 2 coming out uh, recently enough. That's a much older Ellie, but this is a nice prequel to introduce you to this character and show you some of what she goes through because even the DLC doesn't 100% give it all to you and it was written by neil Druckmann, who is the creative director so you know that it is true and authentic to the vision of this series and i think that this is a book that kind of uh went under a lot of radars because it came out in the era where the last of us was just kind of sweeping back up in popularity before they kind of did the remaster stuff and 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 the dlc and like really said okay this is a this is an acclaimed kind of game title that people really want so uh it is a short and sweet book uh, i highly recommend it don't want to go into too much detail without spoiling it for you so that is the last of us american dreams <laughs> nice yeah and I, I wish more of the creative teams on like some of these like like a book or a movie um would work on you know some of these comics like we just we just saw it with the conjuring book that i just aimed like the actual mm-hmm. writer and you know who wrote the screenplay was wrote that and like as you can say it definitely lends its hand well, all right, moving right along to a book that I'm very, very excited about. Like, I think as soon as we knew what we were doing with this segment, this is the first book that I was, well, maybe second. No, but maybe the first. I don't know. First book I knew I want to talk about. I am talking about 
Gears of War number one. And technically, this is DC Comics because this was, back in the day, this was Wildstorm. But, um, so, yes, I'm talking, of course, about Gears of War by DC Comics slash Wildstorm, written by Joshua Ortega, and uh, art by the incredible... Liam Sharp, huge fan of Liam Sharp. This is a very early Liam Sharp. This was released actually, um, not. This is why I picked this book up because it was released uh, on October eighth of two thousand and eight, which is the day right after my birthday. So I was just like, well, I've got some extra cash. I know what I'm <laughs> spending it on. And um, if it wasn't, you know, Gears of War maps, it was gonna be, it was gonna be the video. It was gonna be the comic book. Uh, so this takes place. Uh, the first arc is called hollow and it takes place two months after the conclusion of the first game so uh the first six arcs is mainly what i'm going to be talking about i don't i can't remember if i've read past but i know i've read at least the first arc of hollow because i have that in trade somewhere um and that takes place again right after the events of the first game when you see the light mass bomb go off spoilers game's been out forever so i don't feel too bad um so, and it takes place, and it kind of leads you right into Gears of War 2. Um, and it, it does a lot of really great things. Uh, the biggest compliment I can give this book is it feels like Gears of War. And Liam Sharp does an incredible job, as he always does, but specifically with this book, of sort of capturing the feel of that game. And, like, Amy, I'm sure, you know, like, again, like, you played Overwatch a ton, and, and that's such a huge hurdle to have the artist come in and make it feel like Overwatch that you're used to playing. Yeah, because especially these these highly rendered, incredible games have yeah. so many artists working on them, and it is a different kind of physics to the game mm -hmm. movement versus a comic book panel. So to capture that is really... Uh, a, a an impressive feat yeah and uh so specifically with gears this takes place um i just checked my notes it's exactly two months after and this actually answers a ton of questions like like how did dizzy get away uh after the end of years one what happened after the light mass bomb who had to do all the cleanup all that all those fun questions that were just burning a hole in uh in your pockets and also in your brains so um this does you know, follow Marcus Phoenix and Delta Squad, uh, but it takes place, you know, it, it doesn't really drive the entire story through Marcus, which is great because we get so much Marcus Phoenix in the entire series that it sort of uh, bounces around between the different characters, which is nice because, like, obviously I love Marcus and, like, everyone should love Marcus Phoenix, but <laughs> he wasn't my favorite character. I don't know why. I always liked Ty a bunch. I've always liked the Carmines. Uh and I would like to know everyone out there, if you know what I'm talking about, did you save Carmine or did you kill Carmine? That will, you know, <laughs> very much determine our relationship. Amy, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but there was a campaign very much like with um, Jason Todd. Oh, like, wow. Are we going to kill Robin or are we going to save him? Jeez. And there was a thing uh, going into it. And so uh, you could save or kill Carmine. Um, oh, that just makes me think they killed him. <laughs> Bioshock when, uh, I mean, Bioshock gave the players the individual choice, but it was, do you harvest the little sisters or do you save them? Or, or and do you I save them? I lost two hours of progress because I pressed the wrong button and I killed that poor, I killed the first one. And I was like, no, I can't live with myself. So I had, I erased, <laughs> I erased two hours since I had saved oh, no. to go back and save her. <laughs> yeah. And Andrew Ryan didn't even ask me to. <laughs> Rude. Um, but yeah, again, 
not going to spend a ton of time on it's a really fun um gears of war story that again just sort of fleshes out some of the other characters um of course like i said it's like how does dizzy survive like when he he had met scourge and then we had also said um I would also say, like, Barrick, Alex Brand, Jace. A lot of the story is told through Jace, which is really, really great. Um, so it's just a really fun story. Uh, you can read the Omnibus, again, on Comixology. It's the first 13 issues that are under Wildstorm, and then I believe they took a break, and it was absorbed by DC at that point. It changes a little bit. Then Ortega and Sharp jump off the book after 13. So uh, you can get the Omnibus. You can read the whole thing on Comixology Unlimited if you are a member for free, and you can borrow it for a month. So I would highly recommend doing that if you are a huge fan of the game. Um, and we haven't had any good Gears of War content in a little bit. So uh, <laughs> definitely you can sort of go back, revisit that, and then go play Gears 2. Because this seriously, this seg- the end of the Hollow arc, so after 6, it segues really well into Gears 2. So uh, yeah, go pick it up, and then um, I'll, I'll, I'll meet you on Jacinto. It's my map, everyone. I don't want to <laughs> brag. But I can't be beat. It's amazing how you can be talking about a video game and using terminology that's kind of universal for certain games. But when it has the specific like name of the map, like if I were to say like, oh, I play on uh, data center crystal in uh, Diabolos for Final Fantasy. Like, does that mean anything to anybody? Um, (laughs) Some people, yes. So when you're talking about like what map you play, wild. But speaking of artists who uh, this was like an early version of their work, I'm going to kind of cheat a little bit and not recommend one specific uh, thing, but kind of introduce you to the range of Tomb Raider comics that are available. uh, Because who does not love Lara Croft? Um, This is a cover from the uh, Tamaki and Sevi run in 2016, I want to say. But uh, Tomb Raider has its origins as early as Top Cow Comics. Um, This the the later releases did come from Dark Horse, but uh, the Top Cow uh, publisher had the license from 1999 to 2005, uh, and Dark Horse took it on in 2014, which followed the 2013 reboot in the new timeline of the game series. But if you're looking to see an artist uh, who's a big old name in geekery right now, Andy Park. Uh, Andy Park did the uh, Top Cow series for 18 issues. He is now the di- uh, the director of visual development at Marvel <laughs> Studios, but he did uh, have one of his early starts with uh, Tomb Raider comics. He, so he did uh, 18 issues, and then he did further covers, posters, and a couple of other additional uh, bits when, when they reached their 20th anniversary and other uh, different special events. Um, now, the Top Cow series has a lot of crossover. If, so if you like if you like a series where it's like Vampirella and Red Sonia or like different characters crossing mm. over, there is a lot of Top Cow crossover. We've got uh, one-shots that feature uh, Laura Croft in the Fathom universe, uh, the Darkness, Magdalena, and Witchblade crossovers. Uh, and, fun fact, the debut issue of Top Cow's Tomb Raider was the number one selling comic of 1999. Huh. Yeah, how Did about not know that? that. Lots of great uh, treasure hunting and and kind of espionage international uh, adventures. But I want to also kind of introduce you to uh, the Dark Horse run. Um, Again, it is more recent. So the series with Mariko Tamaki and Phil Sevi was in 2016 following the story from Rise of the Tomb Raider and bridging the space between that and Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Uh, And specifically up on the screen, we do have Volume 1, Spore. This is the cover for the first arc, where Lara pursues a lost secret to uncover a mushroom said to grant immortality. She could have just called Mario, but, you know, (laughs) uh, she ends up crossing an organization called the Knights of the Spore who are looking to control this ancient power for themselves. (laughs) I love the kind of 
the appropriate mix of like, yeah, it's super cool action. Like we've got a, a badass female protagonist, but like the artifacts and the relics, very Indiana Jones style, just the like, sure, we're looking for a mushroom that could uh, grant immortality. I like that uh, ability to be a little bit fanciful, though Tamaki stated in um, interviews that Lara Croft's adventures are always very grounded and realistic, mm-hmm. as as realistic as you can be in a franchise like this. But uh, the the actual, like, she's a human who would be capable of this aspect is important. Uh, I love Phil Savey's artwork as well. He is a fantastic artist, draws really great female characters. I, I've commissioned him several times over for uh, Marvel characters and stuff. But um, lots of other great uh, female writers have also written Tomb Raider. We also had an 18-issue run, uh, 18 issue run from Gail Simone. So there is a Gail Simone Tomb Raider series. Alex Aronovitz uh, in our group, uh, one of our fantastic mods, he noted that as his favorite uh, for our Holler at the Hall response. Nice. And then there's also been Tomb Raider series written by Rihanna Pratchett and Karina Bechko. And then uh, Mariko Tamaki's run ran 12 issues. So rather than narrowing it down to just one, I mean, I'm, I absolutely love uh, Mariko Tamaki's writing and Phil Seavey's artwork. Um, but Andy Park's classic artwork is, it's, it feels weird to call it classic, even though it's 1999. Um <laughs> It is great stuff to see where he came from before becoming the director of visual development at Marvel Studios. Um, So there's just, there's a lot out there. Uh, Search between Top Cow and Dark Horse if you're itching for some Tomb Raider, because I think that that's a fun universe that, uh, it it gets a lot of respect. It gets its due. I think the first Tomb Raider movie is 20 years old this week as well, or not, I don't know if it was the first, but Lara Croft Tomb Raider Raider with Angelina Jolie. That's 20 years old this week. Um, so yeah, time flies, but, uh, there is lots and lots and lots of Tomb Raider out there for you. So I just wanted to bring that to your attention. Jeez. I have the sideshow. I want to see how, I have the sideshow, Lara. She's on my refrigerator. It's like sliding. She's like sliding down a, you know, like an ancient temple covered in vines. Yeah. Refrigerators are a great, great place for statues. What are you talking about? I don't have a problem with (laughs) spatial arrangement. Yeah, Rob. Uh, All right. 20 years old. Thank you. Damn. Yeah. She looks good. I mean, maybe she found that secret mushroom. (laughs) Good for her. Well, I think, uh, is it the last one? Uh, Second to last. We've got one to tag team at the end. Oh, yes, we sure do. All right. So the second to last one, the one that uh, I will just, when I had said earlier, this is the first thing that came to mind. This is the first thing that came to mind. I am talking about the adventures of friggin' Sly Cooper, number one. This is particularly by DC Comics. Now, I say this because this is probably my favorite video game franchise of all time. I understand that it's not, like, the greatest. I just, I have a very emotional attachment to this game. I think this might have been one of the first games that I can remember, like, beating constantly. Like, just playing over and (laughs) over. Um, I love everything about this. Now, specifically with the comic... um, couple of notes on that. This is, uh, issue one was released in 2004 and takes place after, it takes place between the end of game one and game two. And issue two was released a year later in 2005 and takes place between the end of Sly 2 and the beginning of Sly 3, Honor Among Thieves. Now these, these were promotional comics. So these were like solely meant to promo, you know, the next game and also be like, hey, remember the first one? And uh, it did it well. I mean, I bought, I have two copies of each of these. There's So there's two issues of them. Um, they're absolutely incredible. Uh, now, both of them being written by Travis uh, 
Kotzbue and art by Augie Pagan. And again, if you are a fan of the entire uh, series, there is plenty of Bentley, plenty of Murray, and plenty <laughs> of Sly, and plenty of Carmelita. So um, if if you don't know what any of those words mean, after the show, go play all three Sly Coopers. To be honest with you, it's not going to take you that long. They're not like <laughs> incredibly difficult games. Um, they are so much fun, though. Um, the the very first one is, of course, my favorite, but I do like the second because it really starts fleshing out like the Thievius Raccoonus lore. Oh, so good. And hey, if you caught the uh, Sly Cooper Easter eggs in this week's uh, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, shout it out in the comments. I won't spoil what or where they are, but there are some Sly Cooper Easter eggs mm-hmm. in Ratchet and Clank. Mm-hmm. And, uh, okay, so with, with this story, again, I'll be honest, I haven't been able to... F- I try to find, like, wherever I could, like, where I could find this digitally for everyone. I couldn't find it. It's not on DC Universe Infinite. It's not on Comixology. Um, and... I may not have checked that hard, but I'm pretty sure Amazon only let me buy the physical copy, like just to check there. Um, granted, I took a very cursory glance. I didn't really look <laughs> that hard, so I could get well actually in just a second. But um, it's only two issues, and they're only like 32 pages. And there's about three stories per issue, and they're completely – they're not random. Like they all take place on like the same heist night, and they usually focus on uh, either Bentley, Murray, or Sly, and, and then the very end. Uh, it focuses on Carmelita. On the, talking about the second issue, um, and they don't really tie in to much. Like they're they're just fun <laughs> stories that kind of keep the lore going. Except the very last two pages of the second one, that is a huge spoiler for the uh, second game going into the third game. There's like a huge plot point, um, and they spoiled it or sort of teased it first in the comic, and then the very next week the game came out and really fleshed out that idea. That's the only thing that really ties into it at all. Um, it's, it's just, again, it's so much fun. I absolutely love it. Um, there's again, not really like too many profound things that I can say about it. It's just something that I was like, I, I was like, Hey, I'm one half of this show. I am definitely shoehorning this in to the show because I gotta do it. love this game. I think the only game that was around this era that I played as much was probably Jack and Daxter. Yep. I played a lot okay. of Jack and Daxter. And then once Shadow of the Colossus came out, I played obviously like a lot of that. Um, a lot of Tekken. But yeah, Sh- <laughs> but Sly Cooper was on constant repeat for me in this era. So uh, The Adventures of Sly Cooper by DC Comics. Yes, I, it actually was published at the time by DC Comics. Um, you can find it. You, you can buy them somewhere. They're not going to like cost you, um, you know, a cane and a leg. But you will uh i promise you'll have fun if you if you've played even the first one you'll have fun with them promise all I don't right want to so i'm crossing my fingers <laughs> well the last of the comics we just wanted to introduce to you again just a a a, a game mm-hmm. that i believe paul and i have both played where our knowledge overlaps uh we've got injustice gods among us again dc comics um this was a comic book series put out to uh serve as a prequel to the gods mm-hmm. among us fighting game uh written in one phase by Tom Taylor and in another by uh, Brian Bucciolato with a number of rotating artists, including Jeremy Rapac, Mike Miller, mm-hmm. Bruno Redondo, Tom Derenick, and more. Um, now this was broken up into six different years. Yes. DC loves yeah. that year format. Um, and so we have year zero through year five. Paul, mm-hmm. you want to talk a little bit about maybe what the story of these guys or kind of what the prequel yeah. aspect of it is? 
So, um, so actually, you know, when it really uh, got started, Injustice was just a faithful adaptation of what you'd played in the game uh, originally. And it wasn't until a little bit later in some smaller excerpts within uh, year one that we really get to see, you know, more of the Injustice story. And again, it is sort of now become like an Elseworlds tale um, where in which Superman sort of rises to power after, uh, I mean, Okay, we're normally a spoiler-free show and podcast, but this has been out for a very long time. I think this is a key plot point that is, it is the crux of the game, it is not a... Exactly, yeah, like, you find this out within the first couple minutes, and uh, basically Superman rises to power and becomes a dictator because the Joker sort of uses his fear toxin gas and thinks that, Superman thinks that he's fighting the Joker, but it turns out he's fighting Lois Lane, and he kills Lois Lane, and then the, uh, and then Superman... Uh, kills the Joker and sort of that's what is the uh, you know the pivot point for the entire Injustice universe because Batman you know even though he'll force feed you your kneecaps does not believe that you should kill anyone and so um, once Superman crosses that line you know we we get basically an entire six years of what we're seeing on this cover it's just Mm -hmm. fighting and there's some really good like um, you know comic book or I should say not comic book like Elseworlds um, sort of power struggle political things with people who switch sides from Superman's side to Batman's side but they are the two main characters but there's so many other great things that came out of that book yeah so we so we really have the Justice League split into who follows and trusts Superman's totalitarian Mm -hmm. regime and who joins the insurgency with Batman to fight back against Superman Um, and as I mentioned before the series is split into six years the six uh, years kind of kind of break down a little bit like this. So in year zero, the Joker is the kind of Joker's lead up to corrupting the Justice Society and getting Superman to kill Lois. Uh, in year one, we the series focuses on the insurgency led by Batman. Year two is Superman's fight against the Green Lantern Corps. Year three introduces the magic users, Constantine, Deadman, Zatanna, and more to the insurgency, but we find that not all of them are uh, entirely playing on the level with Batman. Year four introduces the Greek gods to the conflict. Year five is Batman's last stand and the direct precursor to the game. It is the almost immediate. And then once the game begins, the title, uh, they had a Injustice Ground Zero, which is told from Mm -hmm. Harley Quinn's perspective as the game is happening. Um, They also had a crossover with Masters of the Universe, if you're into that, Mm -hmm. uh, which was written by Tim Seeley with art by Freddie Williams following the game's bad ending. And I'm not going to spoil which one of those is the bad ending. (laughs) Uh, But... I love, I mean, I love the beat-em-up style of the Injustice game overall, but it is really cool to see where the superheroes begin to fall. Yeah. So if you are interested in, if you've played that game uh, and you are interested in kind of seeing a continuation and a further exploration of the loyalties of the different members of the Justice League, there's Mm -hmm. no other place to go then but the extensive Injustice series. Um, And I believe it was roughly Tom Taylor took year one through year three, about up through number seven of year three, and then Brian Bucciolato took uh, year uh, three through five, and so he did eight through 12, year three, Mm -hmm. and then through the end there. Mm -hmm. And I, I actually don't have who wrote year zero. I don't know if that was, I, I think Taylor might've jumped back on for that. I think it was, I think it was Taylor yeah. too. Um, I'm pretty sure he did. Lots of good stuff. I mean, who doesn't love a kind of alternate yeah. universe, else worlds, omniverse, whatever we've got going now. I mean, and this is, you know, we won't of course go into the vastness that is the injustice universe, but I think this really put in front of people's eyes that like Tom Taylor has this vision of, you know, universes that he creates and then he works inward very similar to how he did with his um, sort of, you know, his zombie. Pl- oh my, the name just escaped me. Deceased. 
deceased. Thank you. Oh my lord, I had it and, it, and I lost it. Um, yeah, he did something very similar with his deceased, where he creates this big premise and then sort of works inwards. And it's more about the character struggles, also you know, battling with not only physically, like for instance with Superman, not only is he physically battling Batman, but he's still constantly fighting the idea of being Superman. Um, and then as you get later into the comic, it gets real good. And um, it it's honestly, it's one of the books that I'm like, I don't know if there's ever an issue that drops off for me. Very rare. I'll, I, I'll, I'd be honest with all of you and tell you like, eh, it kind of drops in year four or five. I don't remember a year that it really drops. And then once they, we get more John Constantine, I'm way more in. And that's year, that's around like year three, year, year four. Year four, I think, yeah. year three. Mm -hmm. I literally just said it. What did I say? Yeah, I think it's like the middle of year three. Yeah, year, year three four. is the introduction of the magic users. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, I, Injustice is something that I know you've all heard of. I know you've all played. Amy, who's your... Uh, who's I was your, I was about to ask you. Um, <laughs> it depends. I am... My, my top three of like rotating, uh, mm -hmm. Harley Quinn is probably my number one followed closely by, by Black Canary, and I've had really good luck with Supergirl. I haven't played her a lot. Um, I, I also have Injustice 2, so it makes a difference which characters show up in that. Um, but uh, I'd say Black Canary and Harley are my number ones, but I don't think Black Canary showed up until uh, Injustice 2. So okay. I could yeah, be wrong. I, um, <clears throat> I would probably have to say like my first, the, the character that I really, really played a lot with was, was Batman. Okay. Um, I played a lot of Batman. I... I sort of like that uh, slow that slow approach style, um, and then on the opposite end of that, I really liked Aquaman. Okay, yeah, yeah. And um, for whatever reason, I don't know what it was, but I not not only I mean she's uh, Shire is a great character, but I loved playing with Hawkgirl. Okay, Hawkgirl was a great character. I just also like Hawkgirl in general, but like I just really liked playing. I just really liked hitting people in the face with that mace. Oh yeah, yeah. For me, it was uh, it was. Uh, getting the jump because uh, Black Canary is mm -hmm. super nimble. Uh, oh, yeah. It was getting the jump on them and then Sonic mm -hmm. screaming down at them. And then Harley is, oh, my God, when you call in the dogs, ooh, <laughs> it's hard to watch, but it's so, so good. I wanted to be better with Poison Ivy because she's my favorite, but I, I was mm -hmm. not, and I didn't I didn't end up buying the DLC that had Starfire in it. So. Oh, yeah. Ton she's of my other DC favorite. <laughs> yeah, and then you start getting in, in some of the Mortal Kombat characters. Nice and the Ninja Turtles petering and Hellboy, off. I think. <laughs> yeah, um, I think. Oh no, maybe I'm thinking of Mortal Kombat, where you even got like Jason Voorhees and stuff. No, but you do get Mortal Kombat characters in Injustice. I think they right, put, and then yeah. in Mortal Kombat, yes, you and get, the Joker like, is in DC Mortal Kombat characters, I think. and you get like uh, horror characters. But yeah. oh my goodness, so, all the stuff. Um, I sort of uh, I I love this game. Um, I still love this game. I mean, I haven't played it in a long time, but I definitely put a lot of hours into this. Yep, it's it's a fun one. Um, so up next, we've got a couple more of your Holler at the Hall responses. Well, mm -hmm. we've we've gushed enough about our favorite uh, book-based video games. We've got uh, Charles Tate from the Facebook group says, The Legend of Zelda. My dad only played two video games that I know of. One was Metroid and the other was The Legend of Zelda. Akira Himakawa did a lot of books for The Legend of Zelda, and the art changes drastically from one series to another. I appreciate when an artist can change and you don't see the same visualization visualization of a character over and over again but the main reason i picked this one up is because it brings me back to when i was very young seeing my dad with the controller in his hand nice. that's awesome that's that's what's most important honestly 
Um, next, Joshua Manette says, uh, the Spider-Man comics based off the PS4 game that I worked on. Joshua, uh, who is um, a great member of our Let Your Geek Central Facebook group, has worked on the on Marvel Spider-Man game. And so he says, uh, Spider-Man City at War, Spider-Man Velocity, Spider-Man The Black Cat Strikes. In the last issue of City of War, there's a panel where you can sort of see my work. So uh, that's awesome. Thank you so much, Joshua. I, I think wasn't the comic... Like, Velocity, I thought that was the one where they first introduced that suit. I could be wrong, but I think they introduced it in the comic, and then you, like, it worked, then you could get it in the game. But I could be wrong. I'm not I'm, I'm sure not really sure how right that now. release went, because I, I, I've had the updates for the, the bombastic Bagman suit and the Sam Raimi <laughs> Spider-Man suit, but I don't remember what order that came in. Yeah. But I do know that the Black Cat one also pertained to the DLC that they mm-hmm. released, which I still actually, I think I have to finish those DLCs. Um, I, I jumped right over Sorry. the Miles game recently, but I, that <laughs> game made me so freaking emotional. Uh, and then finally, Casey Ramon said, since The Witcher started as books, like actual novels, I'll say Mass Effect or Dragon Age, Starcraft, Warcraft, yeesh, Halo. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Thank you, Casey, for all of those fantastic. And I, and I appreciate the inflection that you put into mm-hmm. your typing. It was very yeah, funny. But yeah, uh, good for you noticing. I mean, we wouldn't have discounted anyone and said, oh, it doesn't count. But The Witcher did start as a novel series. And yep. then it went to the video games. And then it went to the comic books. So what do you know? Start, Witcher started by the gentleman's name that I can never pronounce. <laughs> right. I'm not even going to try. Yeah, yeah now, I, I can never pronounce his name. Paul, um, were there any other options you wanted to uh, contribute uh, to this discussion? I have, I have one for a unique reason, but uh... yeah. So mine was actually it's just because I love the franchise so much. I, I don't think there is a Far Cry game that I have not played. Uh, Far Cry is also one of probably my favorite series, and specifically um, Far Cry Five. I really loved it. I really liked the setting of Hope County in Montana, so I chose Far Cry Rite of Passage number one. Now this is an ongoing comic. This actually just recently came out in May on May nineteenth. Um, now they're sort of working backwards and kind of bouncing all over, but these are all from the perspective of the main uh, antagonist that is in all of these games. So this particular one this particular far cry rite of passage here um we've got it's um it's just a fun extra story for far cry 6 it actually leads into far cry 6 and it is it gets into the relationship between president anton uh castillo and his son diego which if you guys have seen that trailer for that game you see that there's sort of like a birthday party and you've got giancarlo esposito as the main antagonist of that game this sort of gets into his relationship with his son um and i'm all for it like i've played every far cry game i put a lot of hours in a far cry 5 uh so very very stoked very, very, very stoked for this. Uh, this actually releases, or Far Cry 6 actually releases on uh, October 7th, 2021. My birthday, so I will be picking that up and eating french fries and playing this game. <laughs> Calling out that day. And look, we got the Dark Horse, uh, I was going to mm-hmm. say seal of approval, but it's obviously just the publishing branding. But again, Dark Horse is a, a great resource for all of these. Now, um, some of I saw some of uh, the people in the YouTube chats noticed the background behind me. I'll give you a quick look <laughs> at that. Um, that is some beautiful J. Scott Campbell Buffy artwork. Um, it is from Chaos Bleeds. Now, I don't think in terms of quality, uh, thank you, Chris, for pulling up the full asset. Um, in terms of quality, it's not my favorite. It's not a groundbreaking comic book. Uh, but I had a fun experience with this one because it was published to uh, coincide with a very, very strange video game uh, called Buffy Chaos Bleeds, uh, set in an alternate version of season five of the series. Uh, but the comic book is available to read on the game. They, they included a digital version of the comic with the game, 
But this game released for the GameCube, the Xbox, and the PlayStation 2, which means I have only read this comic on the GameCube. <laughs> and uh, reading a comic on the GameCube, let me tell you, is not quite like reading it on your iPad. The um, preferred way to read comics. Oh, man. I've with the You know, I had no to like one. toggle in with the C-stick <laughs> and wait for it to depixelize and, and uh, load in. Uh, but it is a full-fledged comic available with the CD. for. Or, uh, it, it's not a CD, nice. but, you know, the disc for the game. Um it's not a. It's not even the greatest story, but it's so darn fun because they were just like, sure, anything goes. We're bringing back all the dead villains to fight Buffy and her friends, and it's great. But uh, the fact that they got J. Scott Campbell to do the cover is amazing. Uh, so that's that's another one. I just wanted to make sure that people knew that there is a Buffy video game comic book, <laughs> and I read it on the GameCube. And that's John Mayer. I'm sorry. I <laughs> say it. And that's John Mayer. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, but uh, that covers all of the the responses that we have time for today. That is our show. But we do have a question for you guys for next week. Uh, mm -hmm. Back to normal uh, books and, and we're talking the weekly poll. We want to know what non-superhero comic do you think should be up next for a television adaptation? I mean, we mm -hmm. just had Sweet Tooth uh, this week in the pop culture headlines. We had some casting updates for Paper Girls. What non-superhero comic do you think should be next for a television adaptation? Lots of great options. Uh, you can let us know at, uh, at the Comics Hall on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can email us at thecomicshall at sideshow.com. Uh, and you can check out, we will post the questions on Friday in the Let Your Geek Sideshow Facebook group and the local Comic Society group, which is our own official Facebook group. Until then, we do have Level Up Week going on. Uh, of course, you can check uh, scrub back earlier through the show to check that uh, schedule update tomorrow. We've got the 9 a.m. show. We've got Win, Lose, or Die. We've got a booth tour, and we've got Unsold Out. Was that the other one you said? Un unsold Out. Trivial unsold Cahoots. Out. Trivial uh, Cahoots. And a, and a special episode of Unsealed and Revealed Light oh. with a special guest. Thursday is stacked. It um, sure is. <laughs> that is awesome. You can also check out sideshow.com slash blog. Tomorrow we will be uploading all of the uh, covers and visual assets referenced in the show if you're happening to listen in on the podcast format. Otherwise, you can join us every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time uh, for your regular dose of new comic books every single Wednesday. I am so pumped. I just kind of want to go. I kind of want to go fire up the GameCube again. Because, uh, again, got I, comics to read. I took good care of my Nintendo <laughs> systems. My Game Boy Color and my GameCube still work. So uh, nice. <laughs> I do have comics to read. Thank you guys so much for joining us. And we hope that you continue to enjoy Level Bye, Up everyone. Week. There is so much going on. As always, I'm Amy. And I'm Paul. And this has been the Comics Hall. This has been the Comics Hall with Amy and Paul, presented by Sideshow. Submit your response to our fan mail question of the week by emailing thecomicshall at sideshow.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Also, don't forget to vote on the panel of the week in the Let Your Geek Sideshow official Facebook group. You can watch us live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on Sideshow's official Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitch, and Periscope channels. And you can keep in touch with our show on social media at The Comics Hall on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, don't forget to let your geek sideshow. show.